Welcome to Courageous Parenting Podcast, a weekly show to equip parents with biblical truth on raising confident Christian kids in an uncertain world. Hi, I'm Angie from Courageous Mom. And I'm Isaac from Resolute Man. We've been married for 21 years and have seen the fruit from raising our eight kids biblically based on the raw truth found in the Bible. We can no longer let the culture win the hearts of children. Too many children from Christian families are walking away from their faith by age 18. And it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Join us as we start an important conversation about effective parenting in the following world. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. Hey, guys. So glad you're here. If you're a first-time listener, we so thank you for being part of the movement. If you've been around a while, you've uh, probably listened to a lot of the episodes. I know in the Facebook group for the Parenting Mentor Program, new program just launched, and we asked, hey, how many episodes have you listened to? Uh And uh, it was all across the board. Some of them uh, from the beginning. Uh, I think we have 122 now. Uh, It's a lot of podcast (laughs) episodes. You know what? We actually haven't even taken a break. We've just gone straight... And starting. It just yeah, well, the, I, I mean, our goal is to never miss a week. It's kind of like that thing that you can count on. I think that that's important. Consistency, everybody can count it on Tuesdays. And uh, it comes out and hopefully it nourishes uh, your week a bit uh, with biblical truth and practical advice that's relevant to today's issues mm-hmm. in parenting and actually marriage. It's amazing. It is a parenting thing, but so much of it has to do yeah. with marriage. Well, yeah. And as far as parenting goes, our one of our foundational beliefs is that you're parenting as a team. So obviously that's going to require communication and teamwork in marriage. Now, hats off to all those single moms out there because mm-hmm. I know there's a and good single dads. handful of yeah. you guys that listen and even in our parenting program mm-hmm. and love it. So uh, we really respect and yeah. appreciate you. Uh, you're kind of holding two hats and you are the team. And uh, I know that can be hard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Angie, before we get in, this is part mm-hmm. two to pursue projects that require family teamwork. Uh, there's a recent revelation in our family about the baby. <laughs> I want to super quick because that's not what the podcast is I'm about. I'm actually but. sitting here right now with the baby kicking like crazy. But um, yeah, so I, as you guys might recall, we thought our due date was um, in the middle of June, June um, 19th. And that was obviously based upon fertility signs. Um, and you guys, if you've been following any amount of time, you know that I, um, experienced pregnancy loss. We lost mercy Mm. in February of 2020. And, um, without getting into too many details, my cycle was irregular. And so it was very difficult. Like there's just a, there's a postpartum period, just like after you have a baby, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even realize this when you have um, a miscarriage where it's, it's just irregular. And so we um, got pregnant in, we thought it was September, but it was actually August. So we were, so we were off, but just speed up to the recent yeah. visit. So we had an ultrasound this last week based upon just some symptoms that I'd been feeling. I felt like I was yeah. experiencing things that I normally experienced later on in yeah. pregnancy than I was. So we had an ultrasound and sure enough, so my due date's actually May 21st, not June 19th. Yeah. So we're talking about teamwork here. It takes teamwork to you know prepare and have a baby and all these things of course angie's doing you know most of the work but Uh you know having the baby but uh we had a lot of projects around the house that we've been doing which is interesting because that is our topic is doing family projects together exactly and so we've been reevaluating adjusting some things recently as far as like our rv trip and stuff yeah our rv trip went from three weeks down to 11 days and some people are like you're still going uh because what five weeks away from your due date yeah, we're going to head uh, 12 yeah. hours. I'm not going to tell you which direction yet. But while we're on our RV trip, you will, we'll probably do a podcast episode. Yes, yeah, so you guys are going to see me very much with child. But, um, <laughs> you know, what's if you have more interest in that, I have shared more on my Instagram page. Just go to courageous.mom. I, have, um, I did an Instagram live that's in my feed where I'm sharing more about the details of how the midwife, yeah. you know, or in the ultrasound tech We're all pumped. got to this information. Healthy baby yeah. over five pounds already has hair definitely, you know, getting closer and a lot of very telltale signs. You know, it's good news, actually. Mm-hmm. You've already done a month more of labor than you realized. It's uh, such laboring, a blessing. Like a it, pregnancy, I guess you call it. And uh, yes. it's a blessing. Also, baby's healthy. Uh-huh. Technically, you could have the baby anytime and, it, you know survive and do well yeah 
Lord so that's, willing. That's good. Lord willing, we're making it, you know, at least to the due date, okay. which is my trend. But let's stick to the topic, right? Yeah. Because you're like, okay, enough of that, some of you. Some of you are like, please more, please more. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah. right. Uh, by the way, another praise report, we just shared this in church, and I thought it was super relevant mm-hmm. to share with you, is that we stopped. You probably know this. When, when uh, the Trump... Uh, lost the presidency and really didn't have to do with Trump actually it had to do with a lack of um, well, well the censorship is happening by uh, social media and so forth mm-hmm. uh, we canceled all of our ads with Facebook and Instagram that had been running for over a year we had an ad campaign it was only part of why people joined the parenting mentor program but it is part of why they found out about yeah. the podcast parenting mentor program to bring new people in uh, it worked it was very effective and we just stopped it without a plan Mm-hmm. And, and the only plan since has been trusting God and uh, building something with all of you. And we're so Word thankful. Of mouth. We are so <laughs> thankful because uh, each parenting program, we have a certain number of people we allow in. Uh, we're thinking about upping that a notch as the Lord provides. Um, but you guys filled our recent class by sharing. I just want to thank all of you because yeah. that literally is the main way we provide for our family and are able to continue doing this. If money didn't come in, if the products weren't sold, donations didn't come in, we wouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Not because we didn't don't want to, it's because we have our ninth baby coming. And, and uh, you would it's have expensive. to find other work to do. We wouldn't have time to be do- pouring yeah. into this as much as we do. So we're so. just so thankful. Yeah. And that's the Lord's doing through you. And every time you share the podcast, give mm-hmm. a review. Every time you share the Parenting Mentor Program, if you've been through it and you share it mm-hmm. with friends and churches and so forth. We had another uh, couple church groups uh, join us in, in, the, in, this last, in this last yeah. uh, program. And that's going really well too. So individuals, mm-hmm. uh, groups can sign up and there's a discount. You can see all that, plus all the free resources uh, at CourageousParenting.com. Now, I just want to share like briefly briefly how big of a testimony this is because um, we had just been so preoccupied with trying to get rid of hornets so that we could be in the studio, for example, um, remodeling certain things so that we could actually be able to do this easier and get our bedroom ready for having another baby. Yeah. Um, And we had a deadline, which obviously now that deadline has inched up. And I'm super, super thankful that you and the the team, the family team was able to do as much work as you were. um, Because man, if we were still working on this, oh, that would be a bit stressful. But that being said, a lot of energy was going towards getting this ready so that we could have a place to do ministry, right? Yeah. And so honestly, you so guys, you could have I a wasn't shower sharing. And things like that. Yeah, yeah and I, but I wasn't sharing as much on social media. You weren't able to yeah. be doing the posts that we normally are doing um, to so that people can hear about the Parenting Mentor Program. So about three days before we launched the new program, there were only 12 people signed up and we usually limit it to 40. And so within three days, we talked to our kids about it and they were praying. And yeah. it was so awesome to see God answer our kids' prayers and our prayers. And it was you guys that did that. And so I, I just wanted you to see that part of it, that you're also building our kids' faith because when they see God answer prayers like that, It is milestones for them in their faith. Like how can someone grow up and later in life deny a God when they've seen such massive answers to prayer? And there are many that our kids have experienced in their life. And that's just one. So 28 signups in the last three days. Yeah. uh, With no advertising, uh, just people sharing. I do want to say perhaps dancing had something to do with it too. Uh, (laughs) There was some kind of reel. We're learning about reels. We did our first reel on Instagram if you saw it. And talk about teamwork this has to do with this episode that was a hundred percent megan tolpin yeah she 100 percent. she's our 16 year old yeah picked out the song mm-hmm. taught me what to do which is um a miracle yeah. <laughs> i love you well I, I don't know how much of a miracle it is i wasn't very good at it <laughs> so you were awesome yeah anyways you can see our reel Okay, um, I, about that, I've had friends literally message me and go, I think I watched it maybe nine times because I just I had think, to go back and go, wait, what, Isaac? I haven't really <laughs> been looking at numbers. I think over 40,000 people watched the reel. Because it's on three different platforms. Yeah. And, you know, that'd be kind of embarrassing unless I knew who I was in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're very gifted at teaching. <laughs> 
Somebody said, I'm glad Isaac's teaching parenting and not dancing. <laughs> <laughs> you would be broke. Oh. Okay. <laughs> So um, the the cost of no family teamwork, let's get into it. Thanks for letting us do a little bit of an intro. Uh, The cost of no family teamwork. And then we're going to go into uh, talking about the middle, uh, the teenage years, uh, and a little bit more about um, the youngs. And uh, and then we're going to have some final tips for you Mm -hmm. as well. Okay. Regarding teamwork and how to cultivate that. So it's super important. We'll break it down by age groups. And before we jump in, if you didn't listen to last week's podcast and you're you're hearing us say that we're going to be, you know, finishing up the littles, going into middles and teenagers, we did in the first podcast, we went over into detail of examples of how you can get your kids that are under five involved so what i always say you can do them out of order if you're already listening just continue yeah and then go back to the other one we always make sure that they work out of order too so uh all right so uh the cost of no family teamwork well first of all uh there can be division in your family you may not see it for years into the future but if you don't cultivate a sense of teamwork proactively Mm -hmm. which takes patience and long suffering and not getting as much done in the training periods of time um, but if you don't mm-hmm. do it, then you're going to see division in your family later. Why? Because everybody's going to be going their other directions and really desire to be going in other directions versus being a team. And it's okay as they get older that they have their directions. Our kids certainly do. But they also love doing things as a family too and being part of the team. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important, especially today, so that your influence mm-hmm. and their siblings' influence matters. It's not just your influence. It's their siblings' influence that matters, too. You don't want that division to cultivate. Another cost of not proactively cultivating uh, teamwork is, frankly, just a limit on what you can get done as a family. That's true. I mean, honestly, if you were, let's just use the remodel of the studio, for example. Imagine if you did it by yourself without Drew and Megan and Luke and And our friend Bruce, yeah. You'd say, yeah, it wouldn't be done. We wouldn't no. be going on an RV trip if it was a matter of getting this done before the baby. and You know what I mean? The house wouldn't be done because we were doing that afterwards. So, yeah, it just wouldn't Everything have worked. Everything that we've done, we've done as a team. Yeah. Different teams sometimes because some kids have to pull back to do more school and other kids are yeah. new, you know learning a new skill because they're interested. But Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's super important. You can see on my Instagram, I have a highlight of uh, the studio. So all you can see all the teamwork happening there and then mm-hmm. a highlight of the house remodel, mm-hmm. uh, which I have less because, I don't know, it's just more into sharing about it on the studio for some reason. Right. Uh, okay. So limit on what gets done. Oh, how about this? Limit on family size. Why would that be? Well, honestly, like if you're not teaching your kids to contribute, then you're doing all the work. And you might feel exhausted with just having a few kids because you're doing everything for everybody, right? So you might think, I don't know if we can handle more, honey. No, because I'm already maxed out. But the reality is, is when you have a team, a cultivated team um, atmosphere or attitude within your family, and you're raising your oldest kids to be contributing and to be living on purpose Mm and and ha- ha- living a disciplined life, right? Like um, I'm teaching the younger boys to put their laundry away. They're five and two. And still, because it's something that you keep teaching them for a long time. You start when they're able to get stuff out. They can put stuff away. But it's years yeah. of teaching them. But when you do, then you have kids. Like our, I just think about our older boys' room. They hardly ever have clothes on the floor. Nope. And so... Um, very rarely and it's usually when they're doing laundry that I see it so there's a purpose for it but the the point is is if imagine if I was doing everybody's laundry there are 10 of us almost 11 of us if I was doing everybody's laundry all I'd be doing is laundry I'd have no time to homeschool I'd have no time to do this podcast I'd have no time to cook if I was doing all the cooking by myself, it's the same exact thing. All the prep work and cooking for 10 people three times a day, that's a big deal. Now, in the early days when all the kids were little, you were doing all of that, but you were having I was Kelsey getting the help. kids help, and it was yeah. part of their education because they were so young. And it was fun. Like, that's how Kelsey learned how to bake. And now she loves baking, and that's how she blesses our family, right? And I think about, like, the kids doing laundry and how much fun it mm-hmm. was for them. We talked about that in the previous podcast, yeah. how they learned their colors by sorting laundry colors. Yeah. Um, but all the boys do their own clothes. Like, the, to me, it's not a matter of, like, 
these are female things that only women learn and these are male things that only men learn. That's not how we've ever raised our family. No. Especially, and I think part of that is the insight of how sick I get when I'm pregnant and how there were things that you were unprepared mm -hmm. in Very much. as far as like doing laundry and cooking and it became difficult. And mm -hmm. so I remember like looking at this and going, I got to make sure that my sons are raised in at least knowing how to mm -hmm. do these things so that they can take care of their wives if something like what's happening to me happens to their wives. I just think it's a matter of being prepared as much as is possible and being responsible. And who's to know if your kids are going to get married, you know, for until they're like 30 or even 40, right? Like it's all about God's path for them. So you want them to be good stewards of their things. So a lack of equipping is another cost. And we talked a lot last yeah. time about that. So, and then the next one is depression. Um, really. And we did talk about this last time, but I just want to make sure it's drilled home. Human beings get depressed when they don't contribute and they need to contribute outside of the mm -hmm. areas that, of like education and things like that. They need to feel like I have a unique contribution to my family mm -hmm. because I'm here. These things happen and they need me. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's super, super important. You can love your kids up and down, but if they don't have responsibility that they can rise up to, if they don't have to break their comfort zone and learn new things and contribute, they don't have anything to be proud of. They don't have anything to be proud of, and they don't feel as connected to the family in a more practical way. Yeah. They might feel it in a loving way, mm -hmm. but they need to feel the practical side of things too. Yeah. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. There is that they need to have a hope in a future, the Bible says. Mm -hmm. They need to see that. And the thing that is so important about under, what we're talking about with depression, there are so many different forms of depression. I just want to say it. We're not getting sure. into like all of them. Obviously, we're just bringing up one aspect, one reason why people struggle with depression. Um, and I think that a lot of people are really struggling with it more now than ever in the last year. Yeah. Kids especially, they're doing a lot of places they have to do school on Zoom. Maybe sports are canceled. They've gone through seasons like that. Now they're getting back. Some, in some places they're able to go back, but they still have to social distance, stay yeah. six feet away. They have to wear masks. They're isolated. There's still yeah. this level of isolation. And so if... If you are living in those circumstances and it's impossible for you to change the circumstances for how your kids are living their daily life, at the most or at the least, you have to help them to have purpose and confidence and feel like they're contributing and have a purpose within your family and within your home. And a huge part of that is what we're talking about. Like we've yeah. even noticed with our kids, at first we just thought it was like a Tolpen thing, mm -hmm. like... Oh, well, maybe we're just like so intense about living on purpose, like all of us, like it's a thing yeah. that's in each of the Tolpins, like even from the time that they're little, that like when they feel like they're not, they kind of get depressed, like they start acting kind of We off. notice in our family, maybe they've become addicted to it in a way, in a positive way, but if they're not contributing, Productivity. Yeah. For, uh, if they're not productive in a meaningful way for a week. They we start getting it. sad we and kind of grumpy and moving you know, around and then bad I'm, habits I'm start coming in. I'm kind of the in. same way though. But we are both the same way. Yeah. Like, and I so need to be productive. We, you guys, this is one key into our parenting. Hopefully this is an uh, exhortation for you if you aren't this way. But I think most of us should be this way. Look at yourself and evaluate how you handle all the things. We're just talking about how we feel when we're not being productive and mm -hmm. how we, that affects us. And then we apply it to our kids and we go, oh, they're probably wired very similarly in that way. And then when you read verses like Proverbs 29, 18, which Isaac just shared, you go, oh, it's all people. Mm -hmm. The people will perish, right? And so that word vision, which is hazan, hazan in Greek, um, I went through the Blue Letter Bible to well, find out what so it was. Well. You said that so well. I don't know if I did or not, but I like I'm trying. I listened to it like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, I love looking into these, um, the terminology of them, because some people might go where there is no vision, and then they think of one type of vision, right? Hmm. And so I really wanted to see what the Bible was talking talking about in this. And so the first thing that is under the definition when you're looking it up in Blue Letter Bible, it says in ec ecstatic state. Mm -hmm. So I think of excitement, right? Like when you have vision, isn't it exciting? If you have goals and a vision for doing something, you're kind of like, you're, you're excited about it. 
Some people might be more charismatic than others, but this is about being in an excited state because yeah. you have vision. Well, are people, it says, but he that keepeth the law happy is he. There's an element there that they go together. The second definition was having vision in night, said in night in parentheses. And I just started thinking about darkness, right? Night is dark yeah. and having clarity in darkness. And that's something that we get to give to our kids, right? Like kids don't have necessarily have the ability to have vision or to be able to see their purpose. They need parents to lead them, mm -hmm. to bring clarity, to give them um, something to look forward to, to kind of not to, to gently lead them in the direction and give them some vision, right? Mm -hmm. And then let them have excitement about it. The third thing was vision, oracle, prophecy, or divine communication is what it said. And then when you look at the Strong's Concordance under that, it also was talking about a dream, right? Mm -hmm. So having insight from a dream, an oracle, prophecy. And so reading scripture is so important. That's why the second part of that verse is, but he that keepeth the law. You can't keepeth the law if you don't know the law, right? Yeah. So you need to know the word, which is where God gives us vision for what is going on today and how it applies to our life right now. Yeah. So, so I think in the last, we're going to dive into the, the breaking up of age group and practical mm -hmm. things. You guys all have all kids different ages. I know some of you are pregnant with your first mm -hmm. uh, or your wife is, and that's exciting. We have people in the parenting program where they... They haven't had a kid out of the womb yet. And, right, uh, yes. They're loving it. So, uh, but, uh, you know, let's talk, talk about, about littles. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Let's talk about littles. And when we say littles, middle, and teenage, you want to give some age ranges on that, Ange? Yeah, I mean, so obviously, you guys, if you've listened to us long enough, you know that we don't like age specify certain jobs or chores because it's actually more about a maturity. Mm -hmm. Some things are about spiritual maturity, like certain chores, what can they handle? Like babysitting, for example, would be something that I would put in the preteen teenager category later. Mm -hmm. But obviously some teenagers don't have the spiritual maturity or like the, even the street smarts that you would, they're not equipped and prepared that you would trust them with that. Yeah. But other kids, it's like they're 12 years old and they're like, it's intuitive to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as we're giving these ages, I say that because, you know, your kid best and you really need to discern which, you know, what of these jobs and, and some of these jobs that land in the middles, you might actually be able to bump up to mm -hmm. the littles mm -hmm. or or to the teen years, mm -hmm. depending on how you've raised your kids. I really do believe it's depending on how you've raised your kids. If you've already been equipping them, if you're listening to this and you're, you've been the mom while your kids were little, where you did all the dishes, you did all the cooking, you never let them help. Obviously then if you say to your 12 year old, make dinner, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? I don't mm. even know how to open a can. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So obviously there's an element of how you've raised them will determine what different chores or jobs, whatever you want to call them, you can actually assign to your children. It's not just their age. Um, but then there's also that innate, like who they are actually. Yeah. Right. So there's the nature and the nurture, actually. That's how this plays out in this topic. So for littles, I would say two years old to five, but, yeah. but if you have, um, I will say that, and this is not a sexist remark, um, if your third kid is a boy, it might be more like two to seven years old. If your first kid was a boy and you were teaching him a lot of things, he might be five and be more on the middle side. For daughters, girls just kind of, especially with like domestic things, they kind of catch on a little and they can handle many more instructions. They can kind of remember more instructions than boys can just because of um, where the growth spurts are in boys and girls ages. Um, brain It's just brain development is mm -hmm. all it is, right? And so, and I would say on the physical side of things, there are things that you probably could ask a seven-year-old boy to do, but a seven-year-old girl might not be able mm -hmm. to lift it, right? So anyway, just saying that middles would probably be where that littles cuts off. So five to seven year old range and goes up to like, I'm going to give you a big range here, 10 and a half to 12. Mm -hmm. Because we've had some 10 year olds that could do stuff that some of our 12 year olds, yeah, you were just starting to do. 
And then teenage years, I'm going to throw the preteens, the tweens, the 12-year-olds right there too because a lot of them are capable, but a lot of parents don't realize that they are. So I want to challenge you to think um, out of the box with that age category. That is really a hard, hard age, 11 to 13. A lot of those kids feel like they don't have purpose. They can kind of verbalize that like they're bored. They have desire to do way more than their parents see them doing. And they have desire to do more than they're actually capable sometimes too. Right. But at the same time, that's like on the bigger jobs, right? Like we've been doing remodeling and our 12-year-old son is like making essential oil shelves. I mean, he's like using a chop saw, using a drill, nail gun, and he's building it and he's 100% by himself but he didn't start out that way no he had dad right beside him teaching him safety rules all the precautions and those kinds of things right and just knowing that kid we might not have done that with one of our others absolutely I want to take a moment and give you something for free if you haven't got it already is the date night one sheet it is a beautiful document you can download that will has some key questions on it for your date night to just get in alignment about what's most important for your family. No matter what time of year, it's always important to recalibrate. You can get that by going to CourageousParenting.com and subscribing to our mailing list. Um, Also, you can get all of our show notes and everything at CourageousParenting.com. And I also just want to share real quick about the Parenting Mentor Program. So many families are being transformed by going through this. Uh, It's the six-week self-paced program uh, with live engagement from us and even direct interaction. So if you want to join us, uh, here's a little bit more about it. You can find out more at CourageousParenting.com. Steve and I realized that we were getting too comfortable with the world's vision of how to raise our children. What Angie and Isaac have done in creating this is literally phenomenal. This program provided awesome scripture-based teachings and just some really great practical applications. This class has just really rocked my world. It has given me a vision for not just the different things that we might focus on as parents who are trying to raise our kids biblically, like how our kids are behaving or what we're doing with discipline, but also the things of the heart. We now have a game plan to how we want to raise our children. We have so many answers to the questions that have been in our mind. It's not just these hypothetical situations, or it's not just this, here's what I think you should do. It's, let me show you where in scripture this is. Do your legacy a favor and yourself a favor and just do it. One of the best things that we've done this year, one of the best investments we've made this year, and I could not recommend it more. We're no longer fearing dark days ahead, but we're so excited to raise lights to be leaders for the next generation. So let's dive into, we talked a little bit about the littles, but not much. I think, uh, let's go into the littles. I think we, where we left off is you were talking about um, cooking, oh, but let's yeah. move on from cooking to some other things. What are mm-hmm. other things littles could participate in that where they'll feel a contribution to the family and actually be helpful. Right. Um, well, one of the one of the best things, aside from cooking, you're right, I didn't really talk a lot about that. I do talk more about that in the mom Bible study that we mm. have. And and we do talk about this actually more in depth in the parenting mentor program. Yeah. Um, with a lot of examples on that. But gardening. I would say gardening would be the second biggest thing that for me, um, I mean, I did have a break when we lived in Central Oregon where I wasn't doing it as yeah. much because we were renting. So how do you involve but them in gardening? You, you start with doing starts. This can be part of um, Apologia actually has a botany curriculum that you can use with younger kids. Um, there are other companies that make um, growing plant type curriculums. I would say regardless of if you homeschool or not, it would be a fun thing to do during the summer months. Um, at spring and summer, if you're going to start with starts with seeds and teach your kids about how seeds grow, it can be both helpful to have them helping you plant seeds, weeding, getting the soil ready to Mm -hmm. plant the seeds. Um, but you can also have like a whole educational system centered around this first. And you could start that in like February and March where you're planting some things in the house and you're watching them grow. The, they're watching the seeds germinate or the avocado plant. You talked about how you mm-hmm. had an avocado That's plant right. in the last one and how you loved that because it was something you did yeah. when you were a kid. And I, I 
remember when we had our greenhouse in Damascus, how Drew, he's now almost 15, but he was like four years old. And every morning for a long time, he would wake me up with his little pot of peas. Mm. He was growing snap peas. And every day he's like, it grew again, mom. So I'd wake up to this little boy holding his pot, you know, for like weeks on end. And he just, he was always the one that wanted to help with the mister and watering. Mm. And he was so gentle with them, which was good training for when we were having another baby. So gardening and what are some other things? So we have cooking, gardening. Well, and with the gardening, I would say weeding is huge because I I have to share this. I've written a lot on, uh, on courageous mom. There's like three or four blog posts that talk about teaching your kids about sin while you're weeding. Mm. And so not only is it an opportunity to teach them diligence and work ethic and get the job done, but you can actually have some really deep spiritual conversations where you're teaching your kids about how sin works and you go, Hey, we got to go, we got to weed while the weeds are small or they're going to get bigger and they're going to be harder to pull out. And if they become thistles, then they cut our hands and they make us bleed. And it's just like sin. Sin is harder to get out of our life. The longer we let it be in our life. There's a reason the Bible talks about weeds. Right. Another thing is financial. You know, we don't believe in giving our kids mm-hmm. allowance. Uh, that's another podcast. I think we probably did. Yep, we did. Um, but we do believe in commission jobs. And mm-hmm. so weeds is a perfect first commission job mm-hmm. or early on where they get a certain amount per weed. I think we've done a penny a pen, weed. Penny a yeah. weed. So what are they also doing? Now they're motivated to count how many weeds mm-hmm. they got mm-hmm. and tell you so you can and they pay have them. to count them up and then they yep, they go in the burn pile. And it's there's so many aspects to this that we could go into regarding gardening and ways that you can make it more than just this drudgery chore of being on the ground and pulling weeds. It actually can be a really fun thing. We used to sing worship songs while we were doing it, or we would just talk um, when we were in the vineyard and we were pulling weeds or even in your flower beds around the house, right? So um, there's a huge opportunity is the point to have lifelong lessons taught. Sowing and reaping is a parable in the Bible that is a good one to even like teach on and then go and do with your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they get to experience the fruit when you've planted vegetables or fruit and they had to work for it the kids really they love it they're like look yeah. at my rhubarb plant look at my strawberries daddy do you want one of my yeah, strawberries so cool. uh, another thing is jurisdictions teach that word jurisdiction look up that word again yourself it is what god has given you mm-hmm. so what jurisdictions has god given a, a little guy or a little girl mm-hmm. uh, well they've given him a room often to share hopefully to share I, we think sharing a room is the best mm-hmm. uh, no matter how many rooms you have in the house mm-hmm. but uh, but that's their jurisdiction to teach them okay God is right now is giving you this jurisdiction and God asks us to take care of the things in our jurisdiction mm-hmm. so how are you doing with that and how do you want to be doing well here's what we should be doing and and yeah. teaching them about that not, so it's not just a conversation about Oh, your room's messy. Go clean it. There's a bigger purpose here. Like this is your space. Take how you of take care of yeah. the jurisdictions God gives you mm-hmm. will determine if he can trust you with more. Yeah. Right. And you can use that verse. Um, and then you can even, I mean, we've talked about how important it is to understand that the family is the image bearer of mm-hmm. the body of Christ and be an active part of that. That was in our previous podcast, right? Where we yeah. went through um, Corinthians and we went through spiritual gifts and a little part of it where it's like, okay, guys, so listen, this is actually training ground for your kids to learn what it means to be a part of a team so that when they're older, they're part of, they're not just spectators in, in a church. They're actually a part of the body of Christ. It's actively moving. But that's why it's so important to understand jurisdictions, which is what you're talking about, because there are going to be many times where even with jobs, they're given certain jurisdictions and they need to understand that that's their God-given responsibility within that job, right? And they have a master, an employee that's over them. The Bible is just so relevant to this. Don't let up on that one, this jurisdictions thing, because they will move up in whatever job they get so fast because it's so hard to find anybody that completely proactively takes care of their jurisdictions. So when they get a job and they're like, okay, here's all the this is my jurisdiction and I have been trained to give my absolute best. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how I feel about my boss. doesn't matter how I feel what other people are doing. My standard is take care of it. Right. You could have every other employee in that position, not take fully taking care of their jurisdictions and your kid is. And then what happens to them? They move up, they become leaders. They, 
create change. Versus, I mean, we've been employers many times to where it's like you can tell the difference among people that take ownership over their jurisdiction and if they don't get done, they just own it. They're like, yeah, I'm going to get to that or I'm really sorry I was doing this and this and I will do that or I didn't. I dropped the ball. They take ownership over it. There are those kinds of people and then there's the kind of people that blame shift or try to push their jurisdiction on other people, which our kids have experienced that while they've had jobs before. So this has to do with teamwork because a lot of times they're sharing a room. So they're having to learn Mm -hmm. how to do it together to communicate to each other when one Mm -hmm. isn't doing as well at it. Mm -hmm. Um, We always like them communicating with each other before they come to us. So if they haven't done that, we send them back to communicating with the other kid. That's definitely something that's more like the middle's age for sure because you still want to supervise in the little's conversations, obviously, because they sometimes don't communicate in a way that can be heard by the other person. And so as they get older, you want them to start becoming more independent and doing the Matthew 18 approach, you know, so that, and learning the understanding that any other way is actually gossip. But if the other person's not receiving it, then mom and dad need to mediate. Absolutely. What other things, uh, family teamwork can the, the young ones help with them? Well, I think that there, this is really important to hear. Our younger kids in our family because they have older siblings generally want to like be big. Have you experienced that before where they just want to be big, like the bigger siblings, even Mm -hmm. if they can't do the things. And it's something that I saw even with Solomon. So Solomon is five and a half. Mm -hmm. They were redoing the studio. Obviously Solomon can't do the chop saw. He can't do the table saw. And he wanted to be a part of what dad and drew and Austin and Bruce, and you know, different what they were doing because he wanted to be big. He mm-hmm. wanted to help. And so dad found ways to help him help that we're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. And so even though it might have taken longer for dad, mm-hmm. he allowed a little that was, you know, Eli was too, and he wasn't as interested in it. Mm. But you could really see Solomon wanted to help. And so you let him come, and then we gave him credit where credit was due, and you were like, Mom, Solomon helped put this wall of sheetrock up, you know. And oh, yeah. He, and he was like, I drew this, because Megan was drawing Bible verses on the wall, and so he thought he was drawing Bible verses on the wall. He helped me draw wall, some but. lines and measure some sheetrock. He, after I cut it, he, you know, hit it to break it. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And so yeah. there, you know, obviously the details are going to be a little bit different for mm-hmm. you regarding what you're having your kids do. But my point is, is the littles don't need to stay 100% in the littles category. Right. Yeah. You need to allow them to come over to the middles category and the, even the teens category being supervised, mind you, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So we try and involve them in a safe way as much as we can in as many things as we can because Mm -hmm. it is fruitful for them, but it's fruitful for us too. It's a wonderful thing to have helpers. It is. And I think that there's there's an element of, I've seen you do this with the little guys. um, Like when Austin was three, he had a little suit and used to go to work with dad to help dad. Mm. And like, if you had a conference, he would greet people and that was how he would help. <laughs> yeah. More like five, six probably yeah. Yeah, that, in, yeah. at that one. Yeah. But he, um, but yeah, so there are things that like littles can do, if you will, that it's just for a short period of time. And then I come and I pick him up and well, he come and, home. With and me. really what he was, he was greeting people, Yep. but what he was in my mind, what he was actually learning is how to socialize with older people. Uh-huh. He was how to shake a hand firmly, mm-hmm. look people in the eyes, um, how to, you know, learning about what dad does mm-hmm. and uh, the dynamics of that, being around for social situations. Yeah. Um, it was great, you know, and he was helpful. He would carry things for me. He would, um, you know, yeah. he would do things. Yeah. And so I, I just I bring that up because it, you don't have to have a farm. You don't have to have big, you know, most people are like, well, I don't have a renovation project going on. And those are a lot of the examples that we've been talking about just because that's what we're doing in our life right now. Um, So I look back on, you know, the older kids who are now 18 and 20 and the things that they were doing when they were five and when they were six. And I just wanted to to, just challenge you to think like, what can I have my little guy do? I even think of when we had um, the publishing 
um, digital publishing company and how our whole family would go and clean the office yeah. every now and again. And so e- even the littles would go and collect the trash can bags from all the little trash cans or they'd mm-hmm. walk around with a duster or one would have a vacuum. And so there are just different things that you can do depending on what your jurisdictions are. Just think, what are your jurisdictions within what God has you doing in your life? And how can your kids even do something small to help? Because it actually is a big thing for them. That's huge. Well, let's go into, obviously, we didn't say all the examples. And your examples would be different. I think Mm -hmm. you get the point, though, Mm -hmm. is that be patient, take longer to train them on something, and you watch them Mm -hmm. um, blossom and get excited about that. Okay. And that's creating a vision for their life. Uh, Middles. Okay, some middles. Um, So, like, you know, depending on the age of your kid, I would say this is like seven years old maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little older, depending on if it's your firstborn and you're able to mm-hmm. have undivided attention to really train them on things. Yeah. But for being a mom at home, maybe you want to go over like the dad things that you've done with the kids. Sure. And I'll go over some of the things that I did. I mean, obviously, um, I was able to trust them more with the gardening. I mean, we had a small hobby farm. Mm-hmm. So um, chickens, we had uh, t- 12 to 21 chickens for about a decade. We have chickens again now, but, um, we had Kelsey completely in charge of that. She had help the first year when she was five, six, mm-hmm. but by the time she was seven, she was completely in charge of that. Every once in a while they'd be like, Oh mom, there's something wrong with this chicken. And mm-hmm. I'd step in. But generally speaking, she would lead the crew on cleaning the coop and her brother's and sisters, sister would help her, even though they were very tiny. Um, and I would help, obviously, too. Um, but she was feeding them, watering them, giving them, you know, mealworm and corn and taking care of them. And they obeyed her. Mm-hmm. She would call them and they would come back in after free ranging, right? Um, there were other aspects of gardening where I just knew I could trust her, right? Mm-hmm. To change, to move the little starter plants that we had taken six weeks to grow that maybe are a little more fragile, but we needed to transplant them. She got to do the more fragile part of the transplanting, whereas the younger kids would just water mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. right? Um, cooking was a huge thing. Um, she has always been in the kitchen with me. Most of the kids are, you know, till they're like five, most of the kids have all been in the kitchen with me a lot, whether they're in an infant carrier or on a bumbo or in a high chair, they start out really young being with mom in the kitchen. Cause I'm in the kitchen a lot and giving her responsibility. The, the kids move from cutting olives with a plastic non serrated knife that's safe to then cutting oranges with a serrated knife. Um, they are peeling carrots, they're, um, peeling potatoes, they're all of the, the, those are some time consuming things, especially if you're cooking like mashed potatoes, right? You have to do a whole bag of rusted potatoes. Like I, I remember her sitting there for 40 minutes and thinking that's like, it would take me 20 minutes. But if I start her early enough, that's 20 minutes I've saved yeah. actually. And so when you change your thinking to, yeah, okay, it is going to take them longer, but if I start them sooner, then it's time I'm not doing it. Yeah. It is actually very helpful. It, they also get on dish crew. So we have crews doing dishes. Now yeah. we have two people per, for morning, two for lunch, two for dinner, mm-hmm. uh, different teams. And, and they rotate. It, we rotate it and we yep. put people with different people and it changes every month, I believe, right? Um, well, sometimes we've been on it every two to three every months. Every two months, okay. So, yeah. and we change it up, and it it's doesn't mean we don't help sometimes, but yeah. mostly I would say ninety-five percent they do all the dishes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I there, I definitely step in on a daily mm-hmm. basis, but, um, but yeah, it's been good for them to have. So, like the basic chores that are divided up on a regular basis or jurisdictions are dishes and bathrooms for mm-hmm. cleaning, um, and. It's not just dishes, like, so dishes crew also includes, like, cleaning the kitchen, meaning sweeping the floor and wiping down the dining room table and the counters. So there's a little bit more to it than just doing the dishes. You're probably thinking, well, that's not very exciting. How do you get your kids to, like, have good attitudes about that and so forth? Well, I think a lot of times, just like you, if you don't know why you're asked to do something, if you don't know the bigger picture, if you don't understand the vision Mm -hmm. of it, then it's hard to do the mundane. See, vision takes us out of the dread of mundane 
And so you have to do that for your kids. And you have to remind them. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, because we're doing this, we get to live in a clean house. We get to, you're, you're contributing. We can have people over, we can have people at, over any at any point. You can have your friends over, mm-hmm. uh, these kinds of things. But if we're living in mess, first, God doesn't want that. It's unsanitary. You don't like that. And so we all just, we chip in. And then we always get to live in a clean, sanitary place and have people mm-hmm. over. Yeah. So hospitality is a huge motivator for them, but also it's just something that God wants us to do because he wants us to be good stewards. And that's a principle that is taught on a very uh, simple scale with the kids when they're little. God wants us to take care of our things. It can yeah. be that simple. And then when they're in the middles, that's when you start reading the, the, the parable of uh, stewardships and taking care of your things and um, understanding that they're gods and honoring yeah. other people and having respect for other people, following through with your commitments, contributing to the family. All of these concepts get start getting taught in the middle age. And honestly, a lot of them are things that we teach during our family meetings when all the kids are sitting there. So like the little kids may not fully understand, the middle kids understand more, but the older kids, the teenagers are getting it. So we've, uh, for the sake of time, we're gonna have to kind of rapid fire here just to keep the podcast mm-hmm. episodes in the in realm here. But a couple things that with, I would do with middles is lawn, anything property management, um, projects, so, yeah. fixing things. Austin was, you know, fixing the dishwasher, for example, learning how, watching a YouTube video. Um, watching the technician who came out and took it apart and to, put it back together. You know, yeah. driving the tractor. You decide what age, but, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the kid or the lawnmower or the weed eater or mm-hmm. the pruning of trees. And, or uh, even being the man of the house when dad's out man, of town. Man of the house. So, so now it's security. So it's property management and then you take security. Security is mm-hmm. like making sure every single door is locked, all the windows are locked at night, mm-hmm. making sure the lights are off to conserve resources, to um, Even to to, to knowing mm-hmm. how the alarm works and, mm-hmm. and knowing how the phone works and, you know, 911 and these kinds of things. And just, you know, mm-hmm. I would leave town on a business trip. Uh, I would know my eight-year-old son uh, would have things dialed. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't believe he would like stop an intruder (laughs) that was not something i didn't put burdens on him like that Uh -uh. but it did it in a way where he was like "Mm, this "This." is so fun i get to lock the windows and lock the door make sure the dog is empowering it's never a have to it should be a here's what you get to do it's all a a lot of those parents are impatient in how they present things put a little thought into how you present something to your kids and everything is in presentation if you present something in one way they want to do it if you present it in another way they don't That's want to do so it. That's so good. You and have to really present true. things correctly. I'm very careful in how I present things. I think about That's it. That's true. I pray about things. I go, hmm, this kid's wired this way. What's going to motivate them to do this? And um, maybe it's my business experience coming in because I've managed tons of people and had yeah. tons of people in my organization, young adults, especially in my past. So I really learned how to motivate people. But you know what you can learn too? You just... Yeah trial and error you just practice okay there's lots of other things there's animals i think it, with the littles with animals which we didn't talk about they're helping in the middles they can own it and i think that's a really good differentiation in teenage yep. years on they can all own these things mm-hmm. but don't um take over the animals mm-hmm. i know you don't want to but too many parents do and really you should help them own it and if they don't like it, you have to have heart-to-heart conversations about it. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Um, we also have on here um, event prep. So that was something that fell more in my jurisdiction, obviously, over the years with hospitality. And so um, I would get out a dry erase board because our family was so big, and I would put down different people's names with jobs that were divided up based upon like their capabilities, their honestly, their age, their maturity, what I knew I had already taught them to do so I could trust that it would get done well, right? And then there were some things where it was like, okay, so I need these three bathrooms done before we're hosting church, right? Like we would have yeah. we would have a lot of people at church and I'd say, who of you three, which bathroom are you going to take? And they kind of, they would jump at it because it was like, they knew I'm going to have to do one of these bathrooms. I might as well pick which one. <laughs> and yeah. so it was, there was, it was helpful. And then we would write it down and I was like, okay, as soon as you're done with this, come and cross it off of your list so I can know and I'll come and inspect There's it. There's other things too. Like I'd run business events and I started to think, okay, we've got a good teamwork going on here. Why don't I rent huge tents and, and run my meeting in our yard? 
And so and then I would do so, the cooking. So you would do the, the cooking kids. and there was all this event mm-hmm. prep that all of us could be a part of. Yep. And then we got to, the, our kids got to mingle with our managers that came over for they the meeting. They helped you put together binders. They helped to get, put binders together. Yep. So I'm like, now, could I have done that? I, you know, I had an assistant that could have helped me with that and things like that. But could I, could I have done that elsewhere? Yeah. But mm-hmm. why not include my family in that? And I think it really helped the business and helped my family. It was really special because the kids loved it. Like Kelsey had an apron and Austin would put on his little what are those hats, the fedora, and they would all, they would be all dressed up and they were like maybe 12 and 10 and they would go from person to person when we had the lunch and they'd be like, would you like a quiche with dairy or no dairy? And they'd serve people and they'd practice serving water while it was during the meeting and they would bring out appetizers and they would deliver the food for me. And it was so much fun. Like they would help make the deviled eggs or the angel eggs and they would take them out and and serve so, them. So how about like RV trips? You might be thinking camping trips. Well, whatever it is, they can, help is, with they can all prep. help with prep yeah. and, and these different things. And you go, well, they don't know what to prepare. Well, for our, our, one of our last RV trips, I got a Rubbermaid tub for everybody that could put below and they were limited to what they could put in the cabin. And so I said, you got to bring and then you're going to get approval from us. Right. So there's ways you can have safeguards, right? And then someone would bring their tub. You and don't go, have to pack everybody. So it's interesting because, yeah, we are still doing this RV trip and we've had quite a few people go, whoa, are you going to be doing too much? Like, you yeah. know, and I'm, I'm like, I'm actually excited because the, it's going to be a break for mom yeah. in a lot of ways, right? Um, because... Everybody, we've kind of got our rhythm down. We've been doing this for so long that, yeah, I can just put down like a list again on a dry erase board of all the main things they need. They need their swimsuits. They need underwear. They need pajamas, blah, blah, blah. But then they get to choose what else goes in there. And then with the youngers, I just look through it to make sure, oh, and they go, hold on, you missed your goggles or whatever it is. It's not that hard. And they feel so proud and they're excited to go put it in the RV. I think sometimes we can be too much of perfectionists um i'm the expert of this i know best Mm -hmm. therefore i'm going to do it and i know i'm being a little sassy right now but i just want to i wanted to hit hearts because your perfectionism is ill-equipping your kids if that's the case and so I'm going to challenge you on that. This is courageous parenting. We don't hold anything back. Um, just think about that. I think to um, building things together, like what could you build together? The vineyard was very much a build together purpose. I didn't know anything about vineyards. I like wine once in a while. I wasn't really interested in how to make wine or any, didn't know any of that. Yeah. I just wanted to farm. I wanted to do something. We wanted something, something that was going to last. Together. That kids yeah. could look at years later and it would be a legacy project. We did that together. Yeah. And the, the goal of it worked out, which is mm-hmm. it was some money and it was a lot of time and effort, but it transformed the culture of our family really and forever transformed who our kids are mm-hmm. uh, because you know, at that time we were doing very well financially and there would be, I could have made it to where there was no reason for them to do anything extra. Mm-hmm. Um, but and instead, they could have been very spoiled. Instead, <laughs> we went the opposite direction and they had harder work than most of their friends. Yeah. Uh, and I think that has really, really paid off. So, mm-hmm. so whether, whether we had a lot or had nothing or in between, we've experienced all of it. Mm-hmm. Our kids have always been the same. Because we've always parented the same, mm-hmm. of making sure they work hard and work ethic and build things together and so forth. So what could you build together? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a model, a little model, building with your mm-hmm. your boy. Or it could be uh, creating, um, you know, curtains for your house. Or what could you create together? And, and you can even think out of the box, like maybe because of everything that we've walked through in this last year with churches shutting down. Maybe you've listened to some of our podcasts and you've contemplated planting a house church. That's something that you, when you do that, you're doing it with your kids because Mm -hmm. they have to help with hospitality. You have to give them vision for what that is actually building. It's building a local body for Christ. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And it advances the kingdom and it's, an eternal work, right? And so um, another aspect, you know, you talked about work. 
I brought the kids into so many aspects of launching Redeeming Childbirth and, yeah. and the postpartum course where we they were, I went together. to conferences, they helped me to sell books, they checked people out, they decorated, they um, created little baggies for when I go to conferences that had like a, a little bracelet that had a Bible verse on it and said Redeeming Childbirth on one side. And, you know, there whatever you're working on, maybe you are in... Um, you're running the children's ministry at your church or something and you have to come up with VBS and you have all these projects you have to do. And you're thinking, I'm going to get all the leaders together and we're going to do this. Well, maybe you do, but maybe you save one part of that and you get all your kids together and they help put it together for the kids for this, the VBS in the summer. You never know what your gifts are. I remember I grew up being very introverted, very shy, never speaking in front of people, like public speaking, never wanting to do that, getting out of reading in front of class. Um, All of those things, I was very much that kid. And uh, I think it has something to do with uh, my upbringing. But um, when I was in my later college years, I I ran a business in the summer um, that had to do with lots of people. I had about 140 people on my team. Mm -hmm. I had an office space during the summer. And I remember giving speeches in front of my group and I never knew I had the gift of speaking until I was 21. And I think that could have been, would have come out earlier and transformed how I grew up uh, if I would have discovered that gift. And I think that part of why you're getting your kids involved in things, yeah, it's helpful, but more importantly, it's equipping them Mm -hmm. and it's helping them discover things they're good at, things they're passionate about, things they're interested in and like, Mm -hmm. and ruling out things they don't like. Um, so that earlier on, they have a better idea of directions to go in their life and where to invest their time, energy, and resources, even to know if college is good or bad for them. And because I think it's bad for a lot of people and good for some. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's really important to think about. Let's go into the teenage years. And a lot of it, by the way, we're in a rapid fire through some teenage things, but really what you did in the littles in the middle determines how the teenage work out. That's right, because if you haven't been doing a lot of training, you may find yourself having to really teach. I mean, I I had to teach you how to use the washing machine when you were an adult man, and that's a perfect example of that, right? And so if you haven't taught your middles how to do laundry, you're going to have to teach your teenagers how to do laundry. Now, for the record, I did my own laundry when I was in college and stuff. I just didn't do it the right way. (laughs) <laughs> the, the Angie way, perhaps. No, it was a matter of having front loaders and not knowing how the technology yeah. worked, right? Yeah. And so there was an there's an aspect of like going, okay, so what have I taught my kids? And yeah. evaluating honestly and going, okay, so with that kid, I'm going to teach them this a little sooner. But um, but this is where the work ethic shines in the teenage years, or you realize you made a mistake. It's never too late, by the way. Yeah, you can still invest it, but mm-hmm. you need to sit down with your kids and apologize to your kids. And then you need to have extra patience with them because yeah. you will have to be more clear. A perfect example of this is cooking, actually. So if you haven't taught your kids how to cook, like for me, I can talk to my older kids and say, hey, can you make dinner? And they don't actually want any advice on what to make for dinner mm-hmm. because they've done it so many times. They're like, yeah, great. And then they'll ask if they can get a couple things at the grocery store. And that's the teenage years. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of the teenagers. The middles, they're like, some of them are, they're just different, right? Like if I was to ask even our 14 year old, can you make lunch? He would go, what would you like me to make? If I ask our 12 year old to make lunch, he'll go, awesome. Okay. And he'll jump in and he'll make routine meal pasta or he'll do something. Cause it's just his, he has a gift yeah, and he really enjoys that. Whereas our 14 year old has a gift in other things and he's remodeling and doing other things. And so understanding the differences, because you can see them by the time they're teens, tweens and teens, you should be able to know your kid enough after having studied them and been really walking in life with them, you should be able to determine what things they just are naturally really good at and what things they need a little bit more direction in. And it's totally different kid to kid. And now this is a place where they can project management. They can lead other kids and other people and they can do things. Like uh, Drew right now is completely project managing, making all decisions and running them by us uh, of the chicken coop. And it's looking amazing. Um, But now what we're noticing is 
because Drew is taking all the ownership over that, there's a I'm seeing this lack of desire to help in the future with the chickens from other kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's a cue to me of to step in and go, hey, why are we doing chickens in front of a whole group? Why is this important? How is this yep. going to help us? Mm -hmm. And and if I don't do that now, then when we ask for their help later to go feed the chickens, it's going to be horrible. So you see how I'm already thinking about that? I'm already seeing what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it all to go on to Drew's shoulders for right. a second. But project management, project ownership, discovering their paths in life, leadership, teamwork mm -hmm. instilled. And if it's not instilled in the teenage years, you made mistakes, you should apologize, mm -hmm. and work forward and say, here's how it's going to be from now on, and here's what I'm going to do better, and here's mm -hmm. how you can do better, and let's let's do this together uh, because this is important for your future. At, at the teenage years, you got to the why has got to be beyond your family. Mm -hmm. It's got to be way into the future future of how this can help them, how it's important. Mm -hmm. uh, it's super, super key. I would also say that, um, you know, we're talking about doing work and doing projects together. And this kind of goes into a really a much bigger topic that we're not going to dive into here. We've already discussed this, which is social media. So a lot of teenagers are on social media. We have certain boundaries based upon each kid because each kid can handle different things. We also have given kids some ownership over if they want to be on. So like, for example, I actually think that um, our 14, almost 15 year old could handle social media just fine. He's very responsible and he just doesn't want to be on it. And so there's that element of like, in some cases we're like, Hey, this might not be good for you yet. And mm -hmm. we hold back in other cases, we give them the freedom to decide and they choose yes or no. Right. And then we're involved in that. But the whole point is that there is a purpose behind why they're on it. There's no, it's kind of like college. There's no reason to go there unless you have a real reason to be there. Yeah. And so we are very vision minded regarding social media. We're there to be missionaries. We instill that same kind of purpose with our kids. Yes. Of course it cultivates deeper friendships. You're able to stay in contact with family and some friends that you've moved away from. We do the same thing, but the reality is, is they are fully aware of their influence and they try to use it for good. Now, in the, in the teenage years, don't suffocate your kids with only family projects. They should have their own jurisdictions outside yep. of their family starting to percolate, and you should encourage that. And mm -hmm. so now it's how are they balancing family life and my things outside of the family mm -hmm. in a responsible way that's honoring and respectful and still gets all jurisdictions done. Now they're spinning more plates mm -hmm. while they're in your home. You're equipping them on how to handle it, how to do that. Here's some final tips. Start the day together. Uh, we could do a whole podcast episode on that. In fact, we should. Um, but uh, start the day together. Mm -hmm. It's so important because when you have all kinds of things going on, you can set the tone. And the Bible sets the tone for attitude. You don't have it all on your shoulders. It's a spiritual problem if the attitudes are wrong um, and a parenting problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the Bible's key. Family identity. What is your family identity? There is a family identity always. There is a culture always. It's either getting better or worse unless mm -hmm. there's leadership driving it forward. What are you driving forward? Mm -hmm. And if you're not, it's probably just getting worse. Okay. Avoid uh, external problem creators. Mm -hmm. These are people outside of your family that are creating a desire for them not contributing inside your family. So, They're the wrong yeah. relationships. The wrong relationships that are like, man, you didn't get paid for that. I get paid and I don't have to do anything. Okay. Well, you need to. So this is the thing. Depending on if they're a little, a middle or a teen, parenting is going to look different with those kinds of people. I don't even allow those kinds of influences in my little's life, period. There are boundaries, very protected boundaries in my little's life because that could potentially impact their attitudes and become something I'm trying to correct for many years, actually. Like if you, if they're spending time with peers that don't, aren't learning jurisdictions, aren't learning work ethic, aren't learning honesty of like, yes, I committed to doing this. I'm following through obedience to their parents. There's going to be problems. Okay. With the middles, that's where you start actually communicating with your kids and teaching them. Well, do you think that God wants you to act this way when they notice things? And, oh, no, you don't. How could you lead that kid, right? So you're talking to your yeah. eight-year-old, your nine-year-old. How could you? And the you reason is because you've already poured into your little. By the time they get to middle, they can they handle They discern it. and they know something's off and they come to you and they just are honest and they say, something happened when I was at their house or something happened today when they were at our house or, you know, and they tell you, or like our kids were able to discern when they were six and seven years old in Sunday school. 
kids were super disrespectful to the teacher, things like that, right? Okay, you so want your kids let's stop to doing Sunday school. So you well, you want to teach your kids to discern these things and to be feel comfortable coming to you with them first of all. Yeah. And then you use that as a teaching moment. And the answer isn't always to pull away, depending on their age and their spiritual maturity. And if your kids are getting something out of it, like if Sunday school is supposed to be additive, but your kids aren't getting anything out of it, then yeah, I would pull them out, Mm -hmm. right? But for the teenage years, even you want to train them. It's different. It's where they've they've learned how to discern. They've had all those conversations. They're coming to you for wisdom and advice because you've developed that relationship, but you've really trained them for how to lead other people out of their wrong thinking. And then they make decisions because they're like, okay, I've tried influencing like four or five times and it's just like a brick wall and they're still like yeah, we in find this. We don't have to. Con- we don't even have to. We don't have to be very controlling in the, when, as they get older because they themselves only right. want to be around people that are edifying to their progress forward and they want to help people. No one has to be perfect, but um, but they have a good discernment. But there is a discernment. It. And so that's why I say it's a little bit different as far as avoiding mm-hmm. problem creators, as far as, you know, boundaries and different things like that. Because when you have teenage kids too, if you have parented them well in this their whole life, they will actually set up really healthy boundaries themselves. And be careful of ageism. And mm-hmm. external influences a lot of times create ageism if they haven't been raised the same way. So it's yeah. you don't avoid that. You just you just keep a good temperature on are your older kids developing a feeling of only wanting to be around people their age or older, not the, their siblings, mm-hmm. catch that right away mm-hmm. and acknowledge it and stop it. Uh, stop them from being that way. They can yeah. still hang out with other people, even if they're influencing that mm-hmm. because they're uh, older. Uh, anything divisive um, you want to, you want to stop and you want to talk about and you want to have heart to heart conversations. Hey, this has been a long episode. It's a great two part series. We hope you got a lot out of it. Uh, CourageousParenting.com. You can get all resources and show notes and everything about this. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. For more resources, go to Courageous Parenting and CourageousMom.com for free online workshops, blog posts, and best-selling courses. Also, we wanted to quickly tell you about our six-week online parenting mentor program. Isaac and I created a powerful biblical curriculum. Here's how it works. Each week, we release a video with a downloadable parenting packet to make it easy for you to incorporate those teachings directly into your parenting. This is an incredible self-paced program where we cover everything from obedience training to overcoming mistakes most Christians are making. But more than that, it's a supportive community. You'll have access to our private online group, live webcasts, and the Courageous Parenting text message line where Angie and I can send you weekly encouragements straight to your phone. If you're interested in joining our next online parenting mentor program, secure your spot now at CourageousParenting.com. That's CourageousParenting.com.